Hello and welcome to Softcats Explain It podcast series. We are now into the second episode of season six and the year is off to a flyer. We've already seen the rise of AI, multiple layoffs across the tech industry and a robot that can melt down and reform in its previous shape. So although the year has only just started... By the end of it, my tech prediction will be that Skynet will be in charge, which brings me on to Softcats Tech Predictions. If you want to listen to our first episode of this season, which is on tech predictions, or in fact, any other previous episode, please take a listen. My name is Dean Gardner, Softcats Field Chief Technology Officer. We're here to explain it. Every episode, our team of experts are here to talk tech in simple, jargon-free language. So the key is in the title, and on that note, I will introduce today's topic. Private, public, hybrid, no, it's a data cloud. We are here to talk all things data and the value that everyone is trying to mine, extract, and use. In fact, it's a bit like the oil industry. To share insights, I'm joined by two amazing guests today, Francois Zimmerman from our friends at Tableau, and Eva Murray from one of the Sockat's newest friends, Snowflake. Welcome to you both. Hi, Dean. So I'll, I'll go first. Um, I work as the field CTO for Tableau here in EMEA. Um, so my role is kind of split into two. I look after the Tech Alliance's relationship with our cloud partners like Snowflake and define kind of joint data integration patterns and then also work with customers, with CDOs and what have you to help them define data strategy and act as a voice into product. Thank you very much. And Ava? Hi. Yeah, my name is Eva Murray. I work for Snowflake as the lead evangelist for the EMEA region. So in that role, I work with prospects, but also customers and partners on how you maximize the investment that you've made in data and how you get the most of the skills your people have, but also the tools you have and uh, the data you've invested in. And really what I'm passionate about is in helping people become really excited about data and what they can do with it, the opportunities out there that exist and and also becoming interested in data careers more generally. So helping people in the business understand why data is so exciting. Good stuff. Well, we're on the right podcast today. That's the main thing. So that is the subject. There appears to be so much more focus on data um, and the importance of it. Why does it now appear to be a really massive priority for many organizations? In fact, everyone. I think it's probably been a priority for a longer time, but we hear it now because more and more people understand what data is all about. And I would say that our smartphones and this whole move to the digital world and how people engage with each other through social media, how they share data and what they experience in their day-to-day life makes them more aware of data being used and um, maybe sometimes not used in the right ways, but it definitely makes them more conscious of it. So if I think about online shopping as an experience, which so many people did, especially since and during the pandemic, people suddenly realize, oh, this thing knows something about me because it suggests products I've previously bought that I might want to buy again. And they see the benefit of sharing their data, but also protecting their data and utilizing data, understanding more how it's being used, how they can use it to their advantage, but also the responsibility they have for their own data and for data they use and share, whether it's information they share about friends or events in their lives, etc. So I think that more broader understanding of data as part of everyday life and products we use and services we access has given people more confidence in talking about this topic now and actually made it more visible in our business world as well, where they say, hey, actually, people now get this. Let's talk about this more. Let's make this more of a topic of conversation and importance for organizations because everyone 
gets it to a certain level and people appreciate that this is now something we need to focus on because it touches every individual in their personal lives as well. And so Francois, that, that all, you know, because it, it's about becoming aware of it in our personal lives. That's kind of what's happened, I guess. We're all very aware of what the, the, the importance of data to us. And in the business world now, they're really starting to understand there's a value chain in all of that information. So Francois, what, what's your thoughts on how do you harness that information? How best to get value out of all of the data that's being collected? What's, what's your thoughts and where do you, where do you see that going? I agree with Ava that, uh, like, data's always been important, but I think it's less esoteric now. So there's more awareness at board levels of how data can have an impact, and there's more of a focus on data to actually drive, like, top line and bottom line. So I think what you see now is you see these big business initiatives which are completely underpinned by data, whereas historically data may have been, a, like, a service function somewhere parked in the back office. And so what I think is, historically, we saw a lot of these big data projects where, you know, these kind of early days of Hadoop, they were very... Um, build from the ground up, build like a universal data lake that does everything. Let's try and define a universal taxonomy and then somehow the value will take care of itself. I don't think that's the way people uh, run data projects today. They tend to be uh, agile, fast sprints. They tend to have, they tend to be very outcome driven. People start with the data consumer um, and then kind of work their way to prioritizing which data sets they integrate. So, and I think that's where actually, to be honest, data platforms in the cloud have, have enabled kind of the elasticity you require in order to be able to quickly bring in an additional data set and then quickly bring it to the consumer. So you can do things iteratively. You don't have to build the world uh, just to deliver like a little bit of value. So I think that's kind of where we are. And I think actually uh, this idea of being very, very data consumer centric is something which I guess there wasn't so much of before. So now there's this real focus on how many people are actually using data. The data has no value uh, just because I'm collecting it. The data has value because I'm exploiting it. And I think historically, these kind of on-prem platforms used to, people were focused on, they were even charging based on you know terabytes. Now we kind of charge based on consumption. And that's the reality. Like storing data is free. Uh, like exploiting it is where the value is. Um, so I don't know if you agree with that, Ava, but that, that feels to me that the, that's the key paradigm shift. I do. And I really like how you've you've talked about that shift from the massive system-based thinking and you know infrastructure-based thinking to something that's more around data products. And I think it gives faster progress and faster solutions to the businesses who need them. So if you have data teams internally working closely with other parts of the organization on, hey, here's a data product that will really help you solve this question you have or this problem you have that will deliver value quickly. And that also makes data more appealing and makes data something that the business wants to be involved in, wants to work in and wants to form connections on. Because one thing I've, I'm have i still missing a little bit in organizations is the connection between the people creating the data. So often people at the front line who interact with customers, with patients, with athletes, and then the people at the back end who work with the data to create insights and to you know build reports and create data products to form that common understanding of why is the data created this way? How can we make it easier and more efficient to collect the right data for the business decisions we want to drive, um, but also for the people at the front line to understand some of what's involved in the work later on with data so that they can appreciate 
how important data quality is, how important it is to get uh, comprehensive data sets that are as accurate as possible so that the, the work later on really adds value rather than fixes things that were done incorrectly at the beginning. So yes, I definitely think there's been that shift towards something that's more agile, that's more focused on specific needs and addressing those rather than having massive multi-year projects that are focused on technology, systems, and purely that rather than the humans that interact with them. I think historically kind of the mantra was uh, collect everything, never throw anything away. And now it's kind of catalog everything, focus on data discovery. Like when you spoke about data as product, it's like, well, this data asset has is not an asset unless it's actually been cataloged in a like an end user system where they can discover it, where they can get recommendations of data assets that are relevant. And kind of end users only really understand what data assets are when they, you know, can search for a viz and then dig down to the underlying data set and then find additional users for it. So that's kind of the consumer focused way of managing these collections of data assets and data products, where I think that I think is a real paradigm shift. Yeah. And so all of that combined, it sounds like you're saying there's a gap, basically, somewhere to bridge all of that together. So are we seeing more data strategies? And if we are seeing more data strategies, so so organizations focusing on building strategies around that subject, what pointers do you think or what things should be considered as part of building a strategy to bridge the, the front end to the back end? What areas would you recommend organizations should be considering? So I think um, the data value chain goes all the way to the to the consumer. So yeah, essentially, my data asset isn't ready just because I've published it to, to a cloud data platform. It's ready because I've made it discoverable, because I can provide recommendations to people, because I've, I've ingested the metadata that makes people understand exactly what each data asset is. It's ready because I've put it in a way that people can self-serve uh, answers from it and profile the data and find like you know additional things that that dataset could answer that they weren't aware of before. So that's kind of this you know this real focus on uh, exploitation where you're thinking about well how are people going to use it and and I think at the other side in terms of the collection, this is I think where these cloud data platforms have made a huge difference. It used to be people had these really, really complex data pipelines. They struggled with uh, concurrency because they they had to kind of over-aggregate data in order to make it performant to answer specific business questions. And now, you know, we have a much simpler pipeline where you can, uh, you can terminate all your streams in one data platform. You can repurpose those data assets for a variety of different business use cases. You don't have to over-aggregate. So one data asset may answer many, many different questions instead of just answering one question. I think modern data platform and the move to data mesh are kind of two sides of the same coin. Over-aggregate data. What does that actually, what does that mean? So you used to see, this is the, the real problem we ended up with historically. So when you di- when, when, if I was looking at a dashboard historically in the business and I drilled down to the underlying data, you often find with these on-prem data sources, people would have aggregated the data to answer the question efficiently, that one question. But now what we do is we build um, the business views on top of really granular data because the cloud platform can support it and it can answer those questions in real time. And that means that when someone wants to answer a different question that the original dashboard didn't support, 
they can very easily, you know, use, for example, an AI to dig in with hypothesis generation or what have you. Look at the unvisualized data inside that same data set. So that's that's actually where you're seeing a lot more efficiency, where the data pipeline is shorter. Uh, we have more reuse of data assets, but also it enables self-service because of the fact that the data set has now been you know, stored in a granular enough way that people can answer new questions. It means that you don't kind of have to go all the way back to square one every time you want to uh, to answer something different. So over-aggregation, I think, was a problem just because we didn't have elasticity in our data environments and it was kind of a necessary evil, but I think we can kind of move beyond that and it just simplifies and makes uh, data engineers just that much more productive. Cool. Okay. So... You mentioned data engineers. There's more of those now emerging. And I saw a stat recently, and you may correct me, that a lot of data engineers or data scientists, there was a huge percentage in the US, in specifically one part of the US, um, over in Silicon Valley. Are we seeing an emergence now of those roles globally where you have CDOs, chief data officers, um, data analysts, data engineers? Are we seeing a rise of those roles across industry and how do you think that will evolve over the next, you know, three, five, ten years? Will a lot of investments and training and skills go in that direction? It sounds like it's an area that it needs to. Ava, what's your thoughts? Yeah, there's definitely more people now in those roles. And part of that is because it's more visible. So the more a profession becomes visible and talked about, the more people will be interested just to find out more understand what it is all about and they probably recognize oh this this could be for me um, there are now also universities offering more courses around analytics that pave a path that leads people into those professions rather than coming through detours and from non-traditional backgrounds which is also fantastic and we need those people as well now i would say a big thing we still need to address is understanding what makes a good data engineer what makes a good data analyst because it's very well, I think those roles are quite accessible, especially if you already work in the business to move into a data role. And what's underestimated, but also maybe underutilized is the skills you can build to really be excellent in those roles. Because I think that's what sets everyone apart if they're really, really good at what they do. And it's not just the technical. Actually, the technical skills, I would say most people can pick up with the right training, the right enablement, the right support. But the mindset of a data analyst, the mindset of a data engineer, being curious, being inquisitive, wanting to learn about the business, wanting to understand what's behind these processes, why do we do these things that way, and how can data help inform that, but also change things for the better, evolve our strategy as a business, evolve our products, evolve the way we serve customers. So I think we'll see more and more people moving into those roles because they're more in demand. We will hopefully have businesses define better what do you actually need to do in those roles what's required what are the skills people need to bring but also what's the value attached to that role so what is the impact of the data analyst in that role what's the impact of the data engineer and how are they transforming how their colleagues work with data so really understanding that i think there's a lot of jobs already out there in all sorts of fields that are well defined everyone knows what a gp does and how they help their patients how do we then apply that same logic to those data roles and how can we help people better understand what's evolved, the impact they're having, and then the legacy they can leave behind? So how can they be part of shaping that role for the future and making it 
even better and uh, and something that other people want to strive to move into as well. One thing I want to pick up on, Ava, is you mentioned kind of um, these uh, non-traditional career paths into data, which, I mean, that really st- struck me when I joined Tableau. Um, in a lot of IT roles, you know, more infrastructure IT roles, people tend to have, uh, you know, they start in IT and they, they, they remain in IT. Whereas like, uh, you know, some of the most amazing analysts I've met are people who started in, for example, population health management or journalism. That's what's quite interesting about the, specifically the analyst entry point. Um, and you're starting to see this idea of analytical engineer where people are able to understand the business domain, but also understand the data plumbing required to kind of get data into that shape. So I think that's quite interesting. I think also what's interesting is um, you kind of briefly mentioned the CDO role. Uh, it feels to me like that used to be something we only saw in companies that had like a lot of regulations. So it started in finance. But now, you know, this idea of the CDO is responsible for customer experience. So they we know that like, you know, you need to manage all the data points you have around your customers so you can kind of deliver these new digital experiences. That's kind of one. They're responsible for employee experience. So we know that kind of data gives meaning to work. So people that have access to more data like are able to understand the impact that their job has. So I think it's it feels to me like the CDO role was quite narrow. It was more focused with regulatory compliance. And now it feels like it's more, I guess, uh, of a business transformation role which is quite interesting. So it feels like the change is, is at all levels in data, really. Yeah, that's fascinating because because what you're, what you're saying is there's obviously a strategic position that may have already been around, but the remit's widened because people or organizations need to understand within their industry the data sets much more effectively to ultimately allow those people that do those jobs daily, whether it's mentioned a GP or other roles, they need to be able to give those people better information and better um, context to improve how they do things, how we do things. And using data from what you're describing is the only way. And then using that context more effectively and understanding that more effectively is the only way we can do that. So yeah, it's fascinating to see how that becomes the glue, I guess. Data becomes the glue to all industry to move it into a direction of improvement. So on that note, though, and, and my background is, is is a bit of cloud and a, all these other things. And a few years ago, everybody was doing cloud jobs and putting cloud in their title. And cloud became very, um, certainly through the pandemic, there was a lot of skill shortages and there was a lot of people clamoring to to get skilled up. You mentioned earlier, Ava, there's new universities and training paths, I guess, to be becoming more data specific. Do we think there's a skill shortage today in this area? And how could we feel if there is a skill shortage? You could say no. Um, but if there is, and I'm, I'm assuming there, there is, um, where do we see the gap? How do we get to um, a level of maturity? Because what, what you're describing before was it's such an important part of all organizations, global evolution, if you will, of what, how we do things and improve things. How do we bridge that gap? That's a huge question. Um, I'm not asking for an exact answer, but just, just some thoughts. There is a skill shortage, but I would also say it's skills that can actually be learned and can be trained fairly quickly on the job. So it's not, if I compare this again with the medical field, it's not like, oh, you need five years of training before you can even be let loose on any of these data sets. It's like, no, no, let's let's do something quickly and let's do this iteratively. It's actually a process where 
between the technical skills and the softer human skills, I think people can pick things up fairly quickly to get started and then do a lot of on-the-job learning, provided they have the right environment where people support that and where people will take the time to enable their colleagues and to guide them through. And I would say, um, going back to what Francois said earlier around the non-traditional backgrounds, I have one of those myself. I didn't have any kind of IT or computer science training. But coming from a business background. So starting out somewhere in the business world and moving into data means the person already brings an understanding of what the business does, what the processes are, what some of the products are, what the customers do. And then applying that to analyzing data might mean as a first step, understanding the basics of statistics, for example. How do you treat data correctly? How, where do you access the data? Having one tool to do that, for example, using Tableau. Okay, how do I connect? You can pick up a lot of things in Tableau in a few days, just to get started and for people then to explore some of the questions they might already have in their mind based on their business knowledge. And of course, the really deep knowledge that takes time and practice and repetition to learn that. And I'm not saying that's trivial, but I think those things will be easier to pick up because they become interesting and people can see results fairly quickly. They can build a visualization very quickly. They can connect to a data source like Snowflake. They can explore the marketplace. All of those things have very instant success. Um, and that's quite satisfying. So I think there's, that people would keep going and do a lot of self-learning, but then also having a team around them where they can pick up stuff. And the other aspect of this whole skills development and having the right or addressing the skill shortage is what I love in this field is if you start out as a data analyst, and let's say you're a great data analyst, you have these skills, but you might not be super comfortable on the side of data engineering. Well, it is adjacent. You already have quite a bit of overlap. So picking up those new skills should be easier compared to picking up something completely different because you're familiar with some of the terminology, with some of the tools and the systems you use. You've already worked on data questions. So for people to branch out into other parts of the data life cycle and maybe make that their job or their new career can be pretty possible. So it's not it's not such a big transformation. It doesn't require them to go back to university for several years and do another degree. And I think that's a huge opportunity for organizations as well who want to increase the skills they have. So maybe they already have a really skilled team of data analysts. They need another data engineer. They might be able to recruit internally from that data team and upskill that person rather than trying to find the perfect data engineer who doesn't have any background of their business. So that's why I see some opportunities, having skills that can be built on the job, but also those adjacent skills on, and skill sets that people can pick up fairly easily. So reimagining existing positions just to focus on the flows, the process, the data that's pretty much in all of our hands. That's, that's fascinating to me. It's almost like thinking about the, the job that someone's doing slightly different and giving them the tools to basically use and harness the data they've got at their disposal to improve how they, and not only they do things, but the teams around them. So yeah, it's almost, it should be, by what you're saying, an evolution as opposed to you've got to completely change everything. Is that a fair summary? Yes, definitely. That's how I see it, at least. Francois, is that, is that kind of what you're seeing as well? Because obviously your world is much more analytics and extracting value. And are you saying that it should be at the hands of everybody, that you should be able to be skilled enough to understand that what you're doing in most cases is as a data-centric element to it? So to improve how you do things, you can use some of this information with a bit more you know, training, I guess. Yeah, and I think that the, the companies that do it well 
they kind of put self-service is like a key part of their strategy. So the, the companies that are struggling the most with shortages are the ones that are trying to run like a traditional report factory where they still need IT at the center involved um, in every new question that gets answered and they are very restrictive around who can access what. And the companies that are focusing on, you know, Ava mentioned this idea of data products. So how can I catalog those, make them discoverable, make it so that uh, people can quickly uh, identify data assets that they might want to blend with, you know, the asset they already have so that they can unlock some sort of new value. That I think is that sort of less restrictive approach where core IT is is building these capabilities in the business. That's how you scale rather than keep growing this monster core IT and it will group which will never be funded to the extent that it needs to be. So I think that's I think I, I really agree with that. Making sure that the capability is there uh, in each of the lines of business is the way to kind of scale. Cool. Okay, so I'm going to come on to uh, um, probably the last question. So the recent rise and acceleration of AI and you know chat and all those kind of things we're seeing um, accelerate, but by the looks of it, will only just continue to. How do you think data and data growth will impact how that continues to evolve? Because fundamentally, those engines are learning, but the data going into those engines are critical to essentially help them evolve more effectively. Uh, what's your thoughts on that and, and you know, the ethics of those things as well? I'm assuming we talk about generative AI. Yeah. And at the moment, it's, it's really, really good at uh, looking at document-based data. But it's relatively expensive to train. So you'll see what typically happens is you have um, these really intelligent systems that are trained on fairly out-of-date data sets. And what we haven't managed to get to is the point where you can use generative AI on top of live business data, which is changing in real time. So I think that's that's where... There is significant, obviously, I guess, in, in investment in R&D and what have you to, to kind of get to that point. So, for example, you may, it, it's, it's very effective to use generative AI to ask a question about something which is, is documented on the web, um, because then it doesn't matter how old the, the document is that you are building that uh, AI model on top of. But in terms of if I care about my business metrics, what I care about is, you know, my current attrition rate or my uh, current sales position or what have you, that needs to be... Uh, like integrated with the data platform. Um, at the moment, that's still not there, but I think I think we'll get there. But that'll be kind of a, a slightly different way of operating. Uh, what do you think, Ava? Yeah, so I, I have plenty of thoughts on this topic, <laughs> but to distill yeah. it down, I think most of it for me comes back to people. And the pandemic showed us that the one thing most people have missed to some degree is that human connection. And sure, we can have, you know, AI create text and answers and all of those things and it does a great job with a bunch of them from what I've seen but I think when it comes to the everyday interactions we have whether that's going to a shop working with our colleagues we do want those human connections we we wouldn't want to just have these questions and have some AI voice read out our answers instead of us having this conversation for a podcast and if I think about wanting to ask somebody questions. So for example, I have a question that I want to ask my mom. It's some very trivial thing. I could Google it, but I also just like talking to her about it because it's not just about getting an answer. It's about sharing stories, sharing experiences and building that human connection on an ongoing basis because I think that's irreplaceable. And that's why for me, when I, I talk to a lot of people about career development and their careers in data and Sure, many things will be able to be replaced over time. And I think that's been something that for 
100, 200 years, humans have predicted, oh, we'll all be replaced by machines and we can just sit at the beach and sip margaritas. Well, we're not at the beach sipping margaritas, are we? <laughs> so I think there's always going to be a need for humans in work, but also for our unique human skills and the empathy and the abilities we bring to do things. And so I think if people focus on the soft skills, the human skills that they bring to their job and really put an emphasis on building those in addition to the technical skills, that will that is what I think leads us into that future where we coexist with AI rather than being scared that machines will take our over the world and they will take our jobs and will be made redundant or whatever or, or you know will feel useless. The human connections, the storytelling, the going to events, the learning from each other is not going to just happen in front of a screen because I believe that most of us, for some for some amount of time, we're okay with it, but we don't want to just sit in front of a screen. We want to talk to people. We want to connect. And that's why I think there's there's definitely a place for it and it will solve a lot of things. It will improve a lot of things. But if we can focus on what's the unique human contribution we can make and make those better, then I think that will lead to a better working environment for all of us. Fantastic answer, I must say. Um, it comes back to all of us people. I'm going to finish up there, unless you've got any final comments you wish to share. I would love for people to just give, if they don't yet, if they're listening to this podcast and they're not already involved in data in their jobs, to find a way to actually get involved and to learn a bit more and to use data in their job as much as possible, because I think it's it's really fun and it's a good skill to have. Yeah, I think that's the key takeaway yeah. today, isn't it? Yeah, Francois. I know we're not giving a plug, but Ava uh, and the data fam run a number of like community events where people get together and just uh, look at a data set in public and see how people play with data at scale. I, I think that, that that sort of thing um, is like a really easy path for people who, you know, kind of in, on non-data roles um, to kind of move across and just kind of start to feel what it feels like to really understand a data set at scale. That's kind of the first thing. The second thing is I think um, as these uh, things like uh, generative AI and things come along, I think really focus on this idea of augmentation uh, rather than replacement. Because I think what good feels like uh, will be domain experts that are able to quickly uh, test ideas and get additional bits of information to augment their like existing domain knowledge. Um, and I think that's, you know, rather than these kind of fully automated uh, decision-making where people are taken out of the loop. I think that's that's what's going to happen. And then I think finally, um, I think when people were using Tableau a couple of years ago, they were using it as a like a, like a desktop productivity tool that individuals would use. And now I think uh, the way people deploy these sort of tools inside their environment is they think of it as like a data and insights portal, catalog everything, focus on using those platforms to say, okay, someone else has come up with this insight, I'm gonna quickly connect to them. So really, uh, if you are, are, are rethinking the way you deploy analytical solutions so that there are ways to connect people to data owners and connect people to other people that have created insights on on the same data set. That is the way that um, a company develops a data culture. Um, so everything has to be built around that idea of like just creating a, a place where people can collaborate. Brilliant. And, and just you can plug away. It's fine. 
plug plug user groups we love those so so we'll make sure we advertise those as this goes out but um, i just want to thank you both for joining me today it's been fantastic to listen to and some brilliant insights and um and yeah basically the the, the, the outcome is that everybody should be doing something for data everybody don't exclude every, anybody everybody should be doing something so let's get those skills up Thank you for listening today. Some fantastic subjects there all around the world of data. If you want to listen to more episodes, please feel free to stream, download all previous episodes. They're available. And please let us know how we're getting on. Send a review. We want to hear from you. And we will be back and we will speak to you soon. Thank you. Thank you.